I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note, viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. Bible states, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But do you ever truly know your neighbor? Do you know, hand on heart, exactly what hides lurking behind the closed doors of a stranger? This week we venture to the sleepy trail town of Plainfield, Wisconsin, where, innocent enough at face value, a whole lot of nothing tends to take place. The kind of neighborhood where you'd leave your doors unlocked and your windows wide open. Well, on the winter's evening of November 17th, 1957, Sheriff Arthur Schley was about to learn an awful lot more about exactly what happens behind closed doors. As he broke into a beat-up farmhouse and made his way through a maze of trash, the sheriff was greeted by the ghastly sight of the faces of nine women carefully preserved and mounted on the wall, like a bizarre collection displayed by a proud human hunter. Hanging up in a nearby closet was a shirt made of human skin. On the kitchen table was a soup bowl made from a human skull. The owner of this farmhouse had been using female body parts to fashion a series of ghoulish artifacts. It appears local handyman Mr. Edward Gine had some serious explaining to do.
Hello and welcome back to our Good Murderer podcast. I'm Tom Norris and I'm joined once again by Benny Carter. Good to see you. Good to be back. Another week in Boston Sound. It's always a pleasure to be in Boston Sound. He hasn't paid us money to advertise Boston, Boston Sound. Sound. But it's never sounded better than in Boston Sound. Dan, was that right? <laughs> Bang on, guys. Thank you. Today's case, Ben, is, is an absolute ripper of a case. A bone chiller. It is. And before we get into it, actually, this case we were about to discuss inspired many horror films over its time. Multiple horror films. Are you, are you into horror films? Not massively. My brother's big on horror films. He is. You, Very big on horror films. What horror film is it? What spooked you up the most? Me? Mm. Yeah, you. Let's talk about you for a minute. <laughs> uh, scariest? Um, I. The, you know what did me, actually? But no one, no true horror fans found this scary, but I found it scary. The Strangers. Okay, yeah. No, I, I hate the idea of people looking through windows. Yes. But you're not sure they're looking. Baghead. Baghead. He's a bad boy. Bad boy, baghead. Baghead. Um, bad Ed Gain. Baghead. What about you, Tom? Yeah, thank you. Um, so I found The Exorcist very scary, but I watched it when I was very young. And mm. I remember we watched it at a sleepover, and we actually watched it on mute because the voice was very terrifying. And the bit when she goes down the stairs. Oh, yeah. Oh, horrible, horrible, horrible. But mm. th- this case has nothing to do with any of that. Before we start, guys, don't forget to give us a follow on our socials and don't forget to subscribe to the, either the audio or, or uh, the YouTube. For the audio people, pretty much everything is at Could Murder a Pod. Yeah. And for the people that can see it, you can see it. So there's no excuses whatsoever. But today's case, Ben, is a case about Edward Theodore Gain. Yeah, now there's three different camps here. The Gein, Gein, and Gain. Gein, Gein, Gain. Yeah, like a, um, like a bell. Um, I'm going to go with Gain still, even though we heard it's Gein. And Gein and everything. Dan, Dan, you said it's... Uh, I mean, I would say Gain. Like Stein, but yeah. Edward Gain, Ed Gain. I said it to a few people before we did the case, and no one corrected me. And Weinstein. Let's not bring Ed up. Gain. Let's not bring Weinstein. But yes, well, we're going to say just we'll just maybe just call him Ed. Ed. Ed works for me. Ed is is easier. Ed. Uh, Ed and Eddie. Ed. Dead. Just call him Ed. Daddy. We'll go with Ed probably. Yeah. Probably Ed. Yeah. Okay. So um, as always, we like to look at the childhood, the the history of our cases, and Ed's uh, history is. Oof. Well, I mean, it is absolutely. I don't know what the word uh, disturbing, um, disturbing, unnerving. Um, it's it's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. There's so much wrong that happened in his. <laughs> it's wrong, wrong, wrong. It's wrong. Uh, but it's it's a very turbulent upbringing and um, quite an isolated one at the same time. Uh, eerily similar to kind of last last week's episode. Yeah. There's the term that's thrown around nowadays of being a mama's boy. Oh, mama's boy. I say Ed is the absolute. The absolute poster uh, boy. Yeah, poster boy for Mama's Boys. Mama Boy, poster boy. So Ed was also known as the Butcher of Plainfield. Or the Plainfield Ghoul. Ghoul. I did like the word ghoul. Yeah. Um, the Butcher, obviously, is uh, giving you a little clue about the kind of things he'd like to get up to. So let's look at his childhood, shall we? Okay, so Edward Theodore Gain was born on August 27th, 1906. He was the second-born son, so he had an older brother called Henry, to his parents, George Gain and Augusta Gain. Now, they were some interesting characters right away. Yeah, George Gain is a great name. GG. GG. Buffon. 
Um, his father, yeah. Very, it's a very, I don't understand the dynamic between the father and the mother to start off. His father was an alcoholic and struggled to hold down a job. Not just any alcoholic, a timid alcoholic. Now, I don't know if that means he got drunk very easy or if he was just quite a quiet alcoholic. I imagine it's timid just means shy. That's what I thought, but I thought it was timid as de- describing his uh, drinking stuff. Don't worry. Don't worry. That was just funny in my head. Oh, was that? F- okay. It wasn't going to be funny. Your note says, this is a smasher. Say this one. Hit this out of the park, Ben. Don't <laughs> get it wrong. Did you get it wrong? Ed's older brother, Henry. <laughs> the father being an alcoholic. Um, his mother was a strict Lutheran and preached about morality. Mm-hmm. She was very much the head of the family from uh, from what we can uncover. Yeah, she, she wasn't, sounded like she wasn't too kind to his dad. Well, she was fr- frantically religious. Uh, so everything uh, kind of God-fearing and... Uh, by the book, very strict religious lady. But um, yeah, in terms of living with a, a, an alcoholic husband, um, that didn't bode well for the rest of the family. It was a very conflictual uh, relationship between the two parents. So he's very isolated. He lives in this farm with, with the mother. The mother turns away visitors. It's very, very isolated. His father's struggling to hold down a job. And I think the farm wasn't wasn't overly successful, wasn't making a whole lot of money either. And a big part of the, the the kind of household dynamic, the real reason that uh, uh, Ed's parents hadn't, you know, called things quits was because they, you know, had deeply uh, fundamental religious beliefs wherein that, you know, divorce is not, uh, you know, divorce is a sin and divorce is not something we would live by. So uh, they stuck it out. Yeah, and Ed's mother, he, she was very condemning of women. She, she would call them prostitutes and the instruments of, of the devil. And yeah, she'd basically just say women were there to tempt men and to corrupt men. I mean... Ironically enough, she ends up being essentially what uh, corrupts. Yes, yeah. I mean, I mean, her face as well. So Augusta Gain, if you, it's one of those uh, the portraits, and it's one of those ones. When I first saw it, I looked at it and I thought it was going to be one of those kind of jump scare things where all of a sudden the face changes. I was waiting for it to happen. I thought, is that an okay thing to say? Three hours later, going, it's going to happen. Yeah, (laughs) it's going to happen. A a real stretch, but it kind of um, Ed's upbringing kind of reminds me of uh, the Waterboys upbringing because. Kathy yeah. Bates, <laughs> not because Kathy Bates. But no, but, yeah, but I mean her. Ca- Kathy, the uh, the character that Kathy Bates portrayed. Um, portrayed, yeah. Um, <laughs> everything was the devil. Why not, Mama? Because little girls are the devil. Is the devil? Yeah, that's fine. I, yeah. I like that. So, that and that. I mean, in the end, you know, the water boy chose a different path to Ed Gain. Yeah, it's not the water boy is not based on Ed Gain. No, no, no. no. Well, thank you, but um, the water boy. Um, basically let's keep this going he gives water to the football players yeah. ends up playing football great player yeah. um, Ed Gain very different he uses the kind of don't look at that <laughs> the water boy kind of uses uh, all the negativity in his life as fuel tackling fuel um, to become a great don't ruin the water boy <laughs> okay anyway enough about Adam Sandler films um so yes ed wasn't allowed to see other people wasn't really allowed to have any friends when he was at home he'd spend time with his mother or trying to help out on the the failing farm um like bobby boucher i said enough on that and tell Although not pronounced, Ed had a lesion on his tongue which caused him to have a mild speech defect as well as a slight stammer so they they yes bobby boucher had a slight stammer oh, oh mama said mama said my mama said can we please move on from Adam Sandler's film, The Water Boy? Jeez Louise. 
So before we move on, we'd like to thank today's sponsor, BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P. If there is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals, BetterHelp is a professional, worldwide counselling service done securely online. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. And I Could Murder a Podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com forward slash I-C-M-A-P. That's betterhelp.com forward slash I-C-M-A-P. I know from first-hand experience in my WhatsApp groups with friends, they've been a lot more open about talking about how they're feeling and their mental health. But for some people, they don't want to talk to their friends about this. They want to have a separation. And that's why BetterHelp is a perfect service for them. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to leave the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash I-C-M-A-P that's better H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an online experienced professional. Although his mother was very controlling, they did attend a normal school. Um, but yeah, even Ed didn't really make friends because you know his mother very much said not to. And if he did try and bring anyone home or anything, there'll be punishments for when he tried to make friends. Yeah, essentially she was tr- trying to prevent both of her boys from, from any influence of the outside world. Augusta would um, reserve time every afternoon, normally when the rest of the neighbourhood, well, or the rest of the town were, you know, socialising, she would reserve time to read to her two boys. So Augusta would usually select particularly graphic verses from the Old Testament to read to Henry and Ed, um, specifically ones dealing with death, murder and divine retribution. We did a lot of bashing of of Ed's mum here, but also his dad was not uh, completely innocent. Um, Ed Ed claimed that his alcoholic father would regularly beat him about the head so hard that his ears would ring. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it just basically sounds like a place where you wouldn't want to be spending your time. And also, he wasn't, it was very, as we said, very isolated. He wasn't able to have friends with other children. He would be there with his brother. He'd be spending time with his mum, learning all these horrible, scary stories from the Bible. And then, you know, having a dad who... Yeah, would would be would be um, physically abusive. Yeah, wasn't didn't have the best kind of work ethic either. The father he worked between different odd jobs. The farm obviously wasn't making money. Augusta had um, purchased a, a grocery store and and kind of tended to that when she wasn't with the raising the family and working as a kind of homemaker. But uh, she would then go on to to sell that uh, about ten years after after purchasing it. So a little bit on Ed's school life. He did, as we said, we, he struggled to socialize at school. Um, but he did all right at school. He had, he had a very average IQ. I think watching some of these documentaries, they tried to insinuate he's quite a simple man. But yeah. I, th- I think he was very, very you know, average of his studies. He didn't, he didn't excel, but he wasn't like lacking far behind from other people. A lot of the documentaries were fairly harsh on his appearance as well, which I, I thought. What do you think? I thought it was a bit harsh. Kept going on about his droopy eye and his slack jaw. Like Bobby Wish. I don't follow. I'm joking. I follow. Also, um, he would at school he would burst out laughing at presumably his own jokes in his head, which apparently is a clear sign of schizophrenia, which means he suffered from this condition since childhood and it was left untreated his entire life. Wow. He would also be bullied for being shy and being quiet and being small. Um, he also got continually bullied for having a lazy eye. So again, it wasn't just the documentary makers having to go, it was his school, school schoolyard playmates at the same time. We're not playmates really, are we? No. And that's the thing. So as we know, his mother forbade him to date girls, but once she actually caught Ed masturbating in the bath, and to punish him, she grabbed his genitals, squeezed them, and called them the curse of a man. That's uh, that's enough to put you off. The curse of a man. 
as oh, well. Oh, she kicked me in the curse of a man. Right in the curse of a man. They all work. Unlike Ed's dad. So, um... <laughs> so Ed was around eight. And his mum had gone into uh, the barn with George and forbid Ed from, from going into the barn, stay in the house. Ed disobeyed his mother and uh, walked into the barn. And as he walked in, um, he sneaked into the, into the barn and found Augusta and George with a pig carcass hanging upside down. As he was watching, his mother, Augusta, sliced the pig down the centre, um, which released its intestines. Ed reportedly experienced sexual pleasure. And this is at age eight. Throughout all this as well, his brother um, very much, you know, he, he was isolated as well. He didn't, he wasn't making friends, um, but he was fairly unremarkable. And there wasn't anything really happening with his brother. I think his brother had slight dreams of leaving the farm. He didn't want to stay there where Ed was very happy and content yeah. with remaining there. Well, Ed was kind of spellbound by his mother and, and absolutely doted on her. Whereas Henry was a bit more kind of, he didn't share that, that same uh, kind of uh, yeah. warmth towards his mother. So he wanted out. Um, Ed, on the other hand, wanted everything but that. Yeah, so Ed would leave school at 12. He wouldn't go on to any further education. He'd just be working on the farm along with his alcoholic dad and doting on his mother. So from the age of 12 onward for his teenage years, he, not a lot happened really in Ed's no. life. It was still the same. He would still... It, his mother's relationship to them was, was still very much the same. They're the children of the house. She would still treat them that way, not be happy with them making friends, bringing them, anyone back. They were all still very isolated on this farm. So both brothers uh, go about their ways. Now, Henry, the older brother, is gradually, gradually falling out of love with the, you know, the Plainsfield uh, kind of lifestyle there and living under his mother's roof and rule. He's, com you know, com constantly at odds with her beliefs and starting to kind of... Yeah, because Plainfield, Wisconsin, it, it was, at the time, it was only 700 people lived there. A lot of people in small towns like that would want to go and experience the big city or experience a different lifestyle. And I think, yeah, he was falling more and more out of love with this way of life. So both the Gain brothers began uh, to work odd jobs to help with their expenses. Um, they both kind of worked as handymen throughout the town. They both had a really good reputation as well with, with the other people in the town as being, uh, you know, reliable and considerate people. Yeah, um, well, they're both very hard workers. In one of the documentaries about it, there was a, a townsman. He said, if you paid him a dollar, he'd give you a dollar and a half work just to show how hard working he was. Good return. And everyone would trust him and they'd know, you know, if you get him in, he will do it. I mean, growing up on a farm, I guess there's a lot of bodge job fixing things and mm. the big... Grafters. Yeah, exactly. So I think they're just very good with their hands, which... Yeah. Yikes. But on the note of trust, obviously Ed was very well trusted in the community. He actually went on to do a lot of babysitting. But Ed would regularly babysit for um, different families in the in the town, um, and he would pick up a really good reputation again as being an extremely good babysitter. Apparently, he could relate better to children than he could adults and uh, and, and loved working as a babysitter. Yeah, and as we said, he, he wasn't, it wasn't a case if he could relate better because he, he was dumb, I think, as well. Growing up, not allowed to have friends. Maybe this was the release for him to actually you know, play games and do things he never could do yep. as a child. And as we said, Henry again uh, began to, you know, reject the ideas and views of his mother. He would frequently talk ill of her um, in front of Ed, which Ed absolutely hated and, and was infuriated by, which, uh, you know, gradually created more conflict between the two brothers as well. Yeah, and Henry would also talk to other people about how he kind of found Ed's attachment to his mum slightly unnerving as well, and Ed overheard him speaking about that. So these kind of things obviously dividing the yeah. brothers. So when Ed was 34, his father died of heart failure caused by alcoholism. Uh, I think it doesn't seem that Ed was too torn up by the loss yeah. of his father. 
Yeah, I mean, if anything, this brought him closer to his mother. Um, Henry's slightly more distant now, but his mother really then takes the you know the the takes on the role fully now as uh, as the head of the house. Yeah, as you said, the marriage wasn't too great between the two anyway, so it might have even eased the kind of sense of the mood of the house. But it was the perfect breeding ground. This this isolation, this kind of um, staunch like religious thoughts, alcoholism, the perfect breeding ground for someone to you know develop. Um, mental difficulties and struggle yeah. with mental health. As we said, it's believed that he has schizophrenia as well. So all these things mixed together is a perfect breeding ground for confusion. And also, like we, as we said, he wasn't allowed to have girlfriends or any kind of thing. Like all, all, all women were the devil, apparently. Yeah. So it would really kind of have take a toll on his uh, mental well, mental well being. And I think you'd get good odds on Augusta saying something at the time of the the uh, George passing away that you know this is what happens if you drink alcohol. Look at what's happened to your father. You, you boys stay away from alcohol, using that as a, another way to reinforce her beliefs. Um, I think you'd get some good money on those odds. So as we said, Ed and his brother's relationship wasn't overly peachy. No, it was becoming more and more... Uh, fractured. Yep. Uh, more and more fractured as the days and weeks and, and, and years go on. And actually, a mere four years after uh, George Gain passing... Um, there was a bit of an event at the Gain Farm. We're about to dip into the timeline now, but before we start, I was going to say a lot of these points uh, in documentaries, they suggest they've happened or it was said that this could have happened. So some of the points, we are going off that. I think some things have been embellished over the time because with Ed Gain comes a lot of these horror films and horror stories and, you know, a lot of films about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll, we'll make that very clear. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Okay, so May 16th, 1944. So this is just four years after George Gain, Ed's father, passed away. Ed and Henry start an intentional brush fire to clear some marshland on their property, but the fire blazed out of control. They separated in order to contain the combustion, but afterwards Henry failed to return to the house. Ed asked some men to help search for his brother, but they were unsuccessful. However, later that day, Ed was able to lead a secondary search party headed by Sheriff Engel directly to where Henry's body lay. And that's kind of the weird part here. 
The second attempt, Ed found it straight away and led them straight there. Yeah. Upon finding uh, Henry's body, they noticed that his body was blackened with soot, but completely unburned, and he was face down. Although the sheriff noticed bruising around Henry's head, the coroner declared asphyxiation as the cause of death and no further investigation was pursued. So as we said there, it's very questionable the fact that they didn't pursue that, the way the body's laying and no burn marks. Um, and obviously this is something, it's not the first time they've done, you know, this kind of thing. Obviously you can have you can have accidents on a farm, but... Yeah. Um, it was kind of argued both ways, wasn't it? Because he could have been... In, in, inhaled a large amount of smoke and then fallen and bumped the head mm. or bumped to the back of the head maybe from old Ed well like we said Ed was you know Ed had heard him speaking ill of his of their mother yeah. Ed had heard him speaking ill of him and hear how much he, he was um, you know how much he loved his mother so it, it, this could be all a ploy for Ed to have his mum all to himself yeah. and be able to you know it's just him and her Henry out of the picture exactly who knows so there was never uh, an uh, an official outcome of this and no further investigation was pursued yeah some people think that they thought oh you know they've lost their father four years ago now they've lost their brother we can't put them yeah we can't put them through that but (laughs) it's yeah you almost imagine the the police turning up and go what was that ed ed is that Ed's brother, the one that's always with his mum. Oh yeah, you know, don't worry about him. He'll be, they'll be all right. Yeah, and as we said before, Ed's reputation around, you know, the place was he was a very gentle guy. He was very kind. He was very hardworking. So that you know, the thought that he could do this would be would go. You know. Yeah, but also they had that view that he was simple and um, you know, you know, wouldn't hurt a fly. So they kind of overlooked those facts, I guess. Yeah. So a year later, on December 29th, 1945, age 67, Augusta Gain finally died from a stroke. Ed, then 39, boarded up her bedroom and sitting rooms as museums and buried her with a headstone-engraved mother. Um, so yeah, he, is, he kept those rooms pristine comparatively to the rest of the house. Yeah, and I think uh, she became she first had a stroke shortly after Henry passed away, so yeah. she was battling illness for a while then, and he absolutely loved caring for her, like yeah, working yeah. as a carer. Yeah, so after after her initial stroke, she was she was uh, not not as mobile as before, and so Ed had to literally do everything for her, which he really enjoyed. Yeah, he yeah, that was his he kind really, of really enjoyed. I mean, that's what his dream was is have his mother all to himself. Um, you know, and he, you know she relied on him. Now it's a complete reversal. Yeah. But now Ed Gain is alone. He is totally lost without Augusta. He closes off every part of the house apart from the kitchen and a small side room where he also sleeps. He now takes up a huge interest in true crime magazines, becoming fascinated by Nazi war atrocities. Gain was alone for the first time in his life and he began to descent into madness, turning his mother's once pristine house into a museum of death. His neighbours began to report that Gain smelled bad and that his appearance when turning up to odd jobs had deteriorated. I guess we would say, you know, he'd lost... Everyone would he'd known he'd, how much he loved his mother. And he, he's had a hard time of it. Five, in five years, he's lost his brother, mum, and dad. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, well, he's lost his whole family. Yeah. So, like, it, it, yeah, if someone's turning up and they're looking a bit worse for wear, you're not... You're not, not going to turn him away. Go on, Ed. Carry on. Go, fix the door, Ed. It stink. So do, the, do it from the outside. Thank you, Ed. Okay, I've given you a dollar, and you've given me a dollar and a half work of work, Ed. Thank you very much indeed. So the timeline starts to get a little bit um, 
heavier here, so we're going to go over a six-year period, but from 1946 to 1952. So 18 months after his mother's death, an intensely lonely Gaines spends a lot of time, mostly overnight as well, visiting the Plainfield Cemetery, where he visits uh, his mother, brother and father's graves, but he also goes to nearby burial grounds overnight as well. And he starts making these trips with a pry bar. Yes. You can probably guess where this is going. Can we? Yes, I, I know. But do they, Ben? Do they? Let's find out. Do you then? Ed decides to dig up his mother and remove her head. Yes, which he took home to shrink, just as he read about in his books. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's obviously picked up a bit of a fascination with true crime, gone through those magazines back to back, cover to cover. Head shrinking, though, I wouldn't have thought would be yeah, a big topic in those books. But true crime in the kind of early 1900s, yeah, no, that is a stretch. I guess in, in that kind of time, what they called then freak shows and sideshows, like shrunken heads and things like that, were a yeah. big, fascinating thing. It was a bit of the macabre. Yes, yeah, well... That, that was apparently Ed's intention in any case. So he breaks into his mother's grave, removes the head for the purposes of shrinking, takes the head on, home. On that matter, because well, he was at this time still babysitting and whatnot, and there, there was reports from the kids saying to their parents that around Ed's house they saw a shrunken head and stuff. Yeah. But they wouldn't believe him because that is a crazy thing to say. Crazy thing to say, crazier thing to do. Very small-minded of the parents. Smaller mind than the shrunken head, I'd say, Ben. Excellent. Cheers, Dan. After this... Honey, I shrunk the brain. <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> After this, Gain began scouting recent obitu- obituaries. Obituaries? Scouting for graves. She's so ugly. <laughs> ugly? Because she's dead. Oh. A rotten joke. Rotten, cor- <laughs> rot- rotten corpse. That's literally why I said rotten joke. Uh, that's good. That was excellent again. Thank what? you. Dan... So basically after this, not only has he removed his mother's uh, head from her body and taken it home, he begins scouting other uh, local obituaries for people that have passed away of a similar age and appearance to his mother. Yeah, he'd be looking at the obituaries like an Argos catalogue. Essentially, yes. So over the course of the next six years, Gain would make over 40 visits to three separate graveyards where he would mostly dig up the bodies of women he thought resembled his dead mother. He then took the corpses home where he mutilated their bodies into trophies he displayed among his house. A few of these trophies, and we will go on to cover the full list, um, included a corset made from a torso. A torset? That kind of works. That kind of works. Excellent. He had also fashioned a pair of lips as a window shade drawstring. Yes, yeah, so you know this time, obviously it says here, as, as 40 visits, they, they were never able to prove mm-hmm. how many times he went to these places. I mean, Ed said when he would go to these places, he'd often go there in a trance. He wouldn't know what he was doing. And when he would kind of come to realisation what he was doing, he would stop immediately and go home. That's what he would say later on. Yeah. He would say that it was, like, it was all kind of in, in hysteria, him doing this. But he, over this time, he, he would really... He said he was very handy, but he was able to sew. He was able to butcher he was all these things that he was naturally able to do he was kind of honing on his craft here and yeah he was yeah. very much targeting a certain age range with a certain look yeah for reasons of which uh, tom is going to provide more detail on now 
1951, he reportedly began creating the woman suit. And by that, I don't mean big shoulder um, pads. He began to create this so he could become his mother, they believe. Or at least a female. So, yeah, I mean, this, as we said earlier on, um, the story of Ed would... would um, inspire a lot of people to write horror about them and this particular part here is buffalo bill from the science of the lambs uh thomas harris's novel mm-hmm. um that was where, the only film as a kid as a kid or not as a kid as a, even a no as a kid my parents forbid me from watching that and eight millimeter i haven't seen it eight millimeter mm, i still haven't seen sounds it like one of your, sounds like one of your home movies um but yeah, with Buffalo Bill, there's a scene where he's 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 killing these women of a certain size in order to make this suit. Um, but yeah, Ed said that he was doing it because he wanted to become a female, but people believe it was because he wanted to become his mother. mother. Yeah, which is so creepy. And it's it's not when they say you know a, a woman's suit, it's not just kind of you know partly a suit. It's a full body outfit he's yeah. trying to form. Yeah, imagine a scuba diver suit made out of skin, women's skin. And Ed would later admit to dancing in the woman's suit in the cemetery of a full moon, which to me sounds like, like that just, that's being embellished. Yeah. That, it's yeah. too it's too perfect in sense of an eerie scene. Yeah. Him dancing in his woman's suit, in the, and it's too risky. I guess digging up a grave if, in any way, shape or form is risky. Yes, but that's particularly risky. I mean, if, if he was to... If he was risky. Risky. Stuff. Do you reckon um, he'd wear a woman's suit and then wear clothing over it? Or is part of it being nude? Gosh, I think part of it's. Oh, I don't know. That's. Um, do you think Ed? Because obviously the first person he dug up and cut his head off was his mum. Mother, yeah. So do you think because he was later then honing his skills by digging up these other people? Because um, by this stage he hasn't killed anyone. Mm-hmm. It's all just people that were already dead. I'm not saying that makes it any better because well, I mean, it's slightly better because he didn't kill. Them. But do you think? <laughs> he regretted not having the skill set by the time his mum died because he wasn't able to immortalise her in his I mean that yeah that's certainly I mean that was the inspiration then from uh, Psycho yeah so at this at this age as well he's also still a virgin he's he's been I mean in terms of how his in his formative his formative years he was kind of sexualized and the, the treatment from his mother there that's questionable um, well yeah, but she very much preached that this was all the devil, not to do anything. Um, so maybe he's kind of re- not rebelling, but... It wasn't like it, because, I mean, the clear uh, comparison we can do here is Ed Kemper cutting yes. his mum's head off. Yeah. But that was to spite her. This wasn't to shame his mother in any way. Well, that's it. And Ed Kemper really did go on to yeah. her. Hmm. Yeah. So it's... Uh, is he in a weird way celebrating her life then making this suit I think like you you kind of asked that so well we said it, the isolation especially at this stage where he was by himself this whole time and, and at this stage he was spending his time cutting up bodies making lampshades out of people you know it was in his, his house by this stage as well had turned into an absolute yeah oh the tip. photos are it was like literally big fat flies flying around everywhere because it was all just guts and crap around the house I mean the bedroom of his mother was still immaculate but everything else was an absolute yeah disarray it was absolute disarray um, but yeah it, it's it's a it's a haunting uh, idea dancing in the moonlight top loader lovely lovely yeah karaoke track yes I've, I've sung that a few times mm-hmm. 
So following on from what Ben just said, um, he would later deny having sex with the bodies, saying he never had a sexual experience in his life except with himself. And if he would already admit making the woman jacket, wearing it and dancing in the moonlight, I would, I, I'm inclined to believe if he would admit that much, it's not as if he would say, oh, and then I had sex with them. Mm. Would make it, I mean, it would make it worse, but he's already in the deep end right now. Yeah. So, he's beyond the deep end. He's in the Mariana's trench. And as we've discussed previously, that's deep. That is very deep. Though we said, though we've said along this stage, he he hasn't committed any you know murders. He's he's literally dug up the bodies. Um, but th- around this time, two hunters disappeared from a Plainfield bar in 1951, and no trace of them were ever found, aside from a jacket found near the Gein property. A yeah. neighbour complained of a terrible smell coming from the Gein property, but it was not investigated. The thing about this <clears throat> is. The only th- reason I could see him committing this crime and, and killing these hunters would have been because they stumbled upon... If he was caught by them. Yeah, because that doesn't fit his MO in any way, shape or form. He's not going to be cutting them up and making things. It's He's not-, not Ed gaining anything from the situation. There you go. Excellent. That was using your head. Fantastic. Dan, that was using his head. Dan. Dan! But yes, yeah, so I, I, that with that, I think only, he would only have committed that crime if they... If he was forced to. Yeah. By circumstance. But that was the thing. I think in, around this kind of time, the early 50s, there were a few people that went missing, a few bodies in the Plainfield area that kind of disappeared and um, they, they couldn't prove it. But this is where, as Tom mentioned, there's a lot of conjecture attached to this particular case. Um, I mean, later on in 1953, a 15-year-old girl, Evelyn Hartley, was abducted while babysitting in La Crosse, Wisconsin, leaving behind signs of a struggle at the house. Now, the the children that she was babysitting were absolutely fine. Uh, they they had been sleeping, but there was there were pry marks on the window. Pry mark. <laughs> Can't make this up. Um. Didn't Gane go in with a pry bar? He did go in with a pry bar. But Gane was visiting a relative a few blocks from the house at the time, although he would later deny involvement and pass two line detectors. Again, there's no reason for him to commit that crime mm-hmm. other than she's taking up some of his babysitting. Yes, she's on his territory. Yeah, babysitting club, get out of it. That's yeah. that's the only thing. There's no reason in Highly his... Highly competitive industry, though, so... Yeah. Yeah, I I feel well, as as I said, like he's he's a fairly average. He's not very, he's not the most intelligent, not not the dumbest person. Past two lie detectors, I don't think he'd be cunning enough to know how to trick them. Yeah. So um, I think that one he's probably clear of. Fine. Yeah. So December eighth, nineteen fifty four, Gain became transfixed with a voluptuous and bawdy bar owner who ran Mary's Tavern. So um. Yeah, this woman was called Mary Hogan. She was 54. She somewhat resembled Ed's mother. She also she used to swear like a sailor. And she earned the nickname Bloody Mary for being crude, foul-mouthed, and a libertine. Do you reckon she made a good Bloody Mary at the tavern? Yeah, I'd like to think so with that name. You'd have, you'd have to back that up, I think. In December 1954, Mary Hogan vanished from her establishment and police found blood on the tavern floor and an empty bullet casing. The following day, while working on an odd job with another local man, Elmo Uick, with whom he discussed the disappearance, Ed apparently said, she's up at the house right now. While Game was never tried for the murder of Mary Hogan, he did admit to the crime later in court. Uick thought Gane was joking, but Mary's head would later be discovered in a paper bag at Gane's house. 
Gain later told police he had been hanging out at Mary's tavern, drinking with her until the bar closed. With no one else around, he pulled the blinds, put a 32 Mauser pistol to her forehead, shot her, placed her body in his Ford pickup truck and took her home to defile her corpse. So this is obviously him stepping up from grave digging and robbing and kind of yeah. up to actual murder here. And this is the first one that he's actually admitted to. In terms of looks, they were quite similar to, she was quite similar to Ed's mum, but in terms of actual attitude and personality, she seemed to be the absolute polar They would not opposite. have got on. No. But like, later on, Ed would say the only reason he would go on to commit any murders was if the ground was too hard to dig up. It was too... That's what he said. They were long winters then. Plainsfield. Plainfield. Plainfield. So on November 15th, 1957, this is uh, over three years from uh, the murder of Mary Hogan. So as far as Ed's concerned, he's he's got away with that one. Um, he pops into Warden's Hardware Store, which is on, main, on Plainfield's Main Street, um, and he inquired about the cost of antifreeze from Bernice Warden, who run the store. Now, while Ed made this uh, inquiry, her son, Frank Warden, who was also the uh, local sheriff's deputy, was present. And they found uh, kind of their inter- he found Ed's interaction to be slightly strange. Um, nothing came of this, and uh, Ed went about his day. But the encounter left Frank uh, really confused, and, um, and actually his, his, uh, his concerns were warranted because uh, the following day there'd be quite a, a grisly sight. So on November 16th, Bernice failed to open the store and Sheriff Schley found a blood on the floor and a 22 caliber rifle was out of place on its rack in the store. And among the store receipts was one for a gallon of antifreeze from the last sale of the morning. Uh, and the name Ed Game was actually on the receipt. So, so Sheriff Schley would have informed her son about this, and then he put two and two together, and they went straight to Ed's house. But he wasn't home. It was the second day of deer hunting season, and the pair went away, but then returned for a second time to make a ghastly discovery. Ed's house was locked, but they made their way into the barn, and it was pitch black. They had a torch looking around, and they actually bumped into something hanging from the ceiling. They'd move the torch around, and they would light up what would be Bernice Warden's body split open like a deer. They actually believed that the body was actually of an animal at the time because it was so, I guess it was just something that, you know, you've never seen before. And they immediately assumed it was, it was actually an animal. On closer inspection, they actually discovered it to be Bernice Warden. So later the very same day, local police uh, searched the house of Ed Gain and uh, they come across, uh, I mean, even to this day, one of the most grisly discoveries, um, you know, <laughs> imaginable. Um, So after discovering Warden, the sheriff's department searched Ed's house and found human bones and fragments, a wastebasket of human skin, skulls on his bedposts, human skin covering his chairs, masks created from human heads. The sheriff's found many other disturbing sights across his household. So searching the house, authorities found four noses, whole human bones and fragments, nine masks of human skin, Bowls made from human skulls, the skull bowls. Ten female heads with the tops sawed off. You could make a horrible uh, um, days of Christmas. Yes. I'd be surprised if that didn't already exist. If not... Four noses. One skull bowl. There you go. And nine vulvas in a (laughs) shoebox. Human skin covering several chair seats. And there are photos of... All of this is is rank. 
Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag. Yeah, so with this one, the, the policeman, the detective that found this particular bag, he looked in, he saw hair, and he said, and he, well, he questioned after he'd done it, but his natural instinct was to pick it up and look at it. So he pulled the head out and he immediately saw the head and he, obviously that was been haunting, but he didn't, he was like, I don't know why I felt the compulsion to, to grab it and pull but, it out. But yeah, I mean, I imagine that would be, maybe he thought it was an animal or something, I don't know. Maybe hoped it was an animal. Yeah. As well as Mary Hogan's head in a paper bag, they found Bernice Warden's head in a burlap sack, nine volvers in a shoebox, as, as I mentioned, um, skulls on his bedposts, organs in the refrigerator, a pair of lips on a drawstring for a window shade, a belt made from human female nipples, and a lampshade made from the skin of a human face. So as we mentioned again, the horror films this inspired, we've mentioned Psycho, we've mentioned Science of the Lambs, and this one here is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. This is where they massively took inspiration. And they didn't say directly the character Leatherface was, you know, in terms of character, was lifted from Ed, but the actual making things and sewing things together and all these things was definitely heavily inspired. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. So November 21st, 1957, Gain is arrested and tried. Gain would go on to tell the officers how he visited several local cemeteries in a daze, like I mentioned earlier. He would say they would go there and when he'd come to, he'd be like, oh, what am I doing? And they'd leave there. But And, and he'd also admit to apparently... Which I'm still very dubious on, dancing in the moonlight in a woman's suit. We've all been there, Ben. Yeah, and he would take bodies from these cemeteries and make ghastly paraphernalia with them, using castor oil to preserve the face masks. So not only is he just kind of, um, oh, he's, he's thinking long term with this, he's taking care with everything that he's doing, and he's wanting to preserve these hideous kind of... Well, it's like I'm collecting football cards at the moment. I put them in <laughs> penny sleeves or in a bigger, thicker pack because I don't want them to lose... You don't want them to spoil. Exactly. So it's exactly the same kind of principle. It's it's identical. It's not there. It's not identical. Thank you. So if Ed Gaines' initial confession was actually ruled inadmissible, the Sheriff Schley was so angered and appalled by Gaines' behaviour, he bashed his head into a brick wall during the questioning. The judge decided there was no way the confession could hold up given the excessive force used. 
and this sheriff would reportedly die due to trauma uh, of his heart because of the um, things he it was people said the things he saw yeah. had a lasting effect on him. I mean, of all the cases we've covered so far, in terms of a discovery, this Ed Gaines house and the different things he would have seen, experienced, smelt, yeah, it's that's up there. That's well and truly up there. Yeah, I mean, it's reading some of these things like. You know, they found bones and ten severed heads, faces peeled off. Um, some of these faces he had drawn lipstick on. Ed said apparently this when he wouldn't need the body parts if he wasn't going to do anything with them, he sometimes would return them to the grave. Oh, well, that's nice of him. This is, yeah, that's the thing. It, it seems so black and white with him. It doesn't seem... He seems as a normal thing. Well, I'm not using it, so of course, yeah. I, I, if I'm not going to use it, I'll bring it back. I made a, you know, I made a skin suit out of them, but I didn't <laughs> them. That's a little clip there. <laughs> the Plainfield community of just 700 people were deeply shocked, even though the soft-voiced, reclusive odd-job man had joked about a collection of shrunken heads and local children thought his house was haunted. As I said, the children saying before they'd been around there and they've seen shrunken heads and the parents weren't listening. And Ed's at the bar, drinking a Bloody Mary's, joking about shrunken heads. Well, he was telling the truth, Mary. Do you think it was just the case if you would say these things and people would laugh and he'd be like, why are you laughing? Hmm. Possibly. I can, that's a very possible... Because I, I remember hearing reports that he would talk about these kind of things to the police as if it was the most normal thing you would do. The case would create a sensation that would spread from the US Midwest across the nation, inspiring a tourist industry of visitors to see the murder farm. So Ed was tried for first-degree murder, where he was found not guilty by reason of his insanity. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia, making him unfit for trial... Game was sent to a state hospital for the criminally insane. So March 20th, 1958, a year after Gain is arrested. Gain's house, now known as the Murder Farm, um, which was a 195-acre property, was appraised at $4,700, which is the equivalent in uh, 2021 of $45,000. Um, roughly $45,000. His possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958, amidst rumours that the house and the land it stood on might become a tourist attraction. So it, it attracted a lot of interesting buyers. Um, early on the morning of March 20th, the house was destroyed before it could be auctioned by a fire. Was it the ghost of Henry? Could well have been. Let's not rule it out. I'm going to say it now. I don't think it was. Gonna put my reputation on the line. Prove me wrong. Yeah. Prove me wrong. So the house was burnt down. Um, they investigated this, and it, it looked suspicious from the off. It felt like it was very loosely investigated, and it? it wasn't. It wasn't. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And people didn't because of what happened there, and the, the town was so sick of people. The kind of dark tourism of people wanting to go there. The film crews wanting to, to interview people. They, I think they kind of thought this is burnt. This is done. Yeah, and they were happy about that. And it, well, interestingly as well, um, they couldn't completely solve it. But when they informed Ed Gain that his house had burnt down, he uh, he simply shrugged and said, "Just as well." You mentioned there that there, there was the um, the auction, and one of the things they did auction off was Gain's car, and this was um, the one that he used to carry bodies from the cemetery at night, which was sold by a public auction. So, Carnival sideshow operator Bunny Gibbons purchased Gain's car for seven hundred and sixty bucks. He used this at his sideshows, charging carnival guests 25 cents to see this car that got famous all for all the wrong reasons. 
You can still see the car today, I believe. I believe it's in a museum. So it was believed, and it was theorized afterwards that um, Ed had was suffering from the Edible complex, which drove him to commit these crimes after the loss of his mother. So this is a Sigmund Freud term, and it's the theory of a psycho- psychosexual stages of development to s- describe a child's feelings of desire for his or her opposite sex parent and jealousy and anger towards his or her same sex parent. Oh, okay. So that's the one when anyone that doesn't know everything about Freud hears about Freud and they go, oh yeah, Freud's the one that thinks. Yeah. Yeah. The you wanna, Oedipus yeah. complex. Yes. That's their yeah. go-to. And I guess this is their prime example of it. Oh, of course. Yeah. Is, uh, yes. Uh, his fascination with his own mother. So Ed is in the um, secure hospital for 10 years where the nurse is there. So he's an absolute pleasure. Yeah. Model. With, model. Uh, model. Uh, <laughs> patient model patient she was a model patient apparently really good sewer yeah which you can imagine he probably would be by this stage yeah well there's evidence to prove nylon is so much easier than woman's skin Ed can you just just get your sewing done please so 10 years later again is determined fit to stand trial in early 1968 um that November, he was found guilty of the murder of Warden. However, he was also found insane at the time of the murder. And as such, he was recommitted to Central State Hospital. Maybe they had a lot of sewing needing doing. So throughout uh, the remaining 60s and all of the 70s, um, apart from his attempt to petition for a release in 1974, which was rejected, the mild-mannered gain made virtually no news while institutionalised. And as you said, the house has burnt down. Yes, the car has been sold uh, to a kind of a sideshow and had its, you know, had its attractive years. Um, but apart from that, you know, he didn't make any further headlines. Yes, he was the inspiration for, you know, two or three movies we talked about and a few movies actually about Ed Gain specifically. Yeah, the, the author, Robert Block, actually would visit Ed and he's, and then he went on to write Psycho, which is is obviously very inspired by, um, by Ed Gain. And then Norman Bates' character. Yes, Norman Bates. And then the director... Alfred Hitchcock will go on to make the film, which obviously which was a huge smash hit. So um, people were fascinated by again and how he was. And like, looking at again, there's the footage of him being arrested. Yes. I can completely understand how the town just didn't, he seems so unassuming. And even when he's arrested, he's got a bit of a wry smile. He, he doesn't look like a crazed. He's cooperating. He seems mild-mannered. Yeah. So yeah, he he would he would go on to you know do his time in prison, um, eventually dying of lung cancer at age seventy seven in the hospital. Um, after his death, he had nurses would describe him as nice, docile, and extremely handy at sewing. As I said, so a little bit of irony on his death. Um, a few years after he was buried, his gravesite in the Plainfield Cemetery, which again, if you're gonna bury him anyway, I mean, I appreciate he requested to be buried with his family. Um, I don't know how they didn't see this coming. His gravesite uh, was frequently vandalised over the years, with souvenir seekers chipping off pieces of his gravestone before the bulk of it was stolen in the year 2000. Yeah, I mean, that was his office dream, was returned to his mother and being buried there. But the kind of thing which I think would have got to him a little bit was he's buried in the same plot as his brother. So, yeah. And like he wanted his mum all to himself. But as yeah, as you mentioned, people would chip off bits with the tumour and eventually someone nicked the whole thing. Yeah, and they did later recover it the following year. So in June 2001, it was found near Seattle and is now in a museum where it has since remained. And now Ed has left it in an unmarked grave. And yeah, I mean, obviously his legend lives on um, in the horror films and uh, those films have got, you know, they're, they're probably three of the kind of biggest horror films ever. Yeah. So I mean, then they've inspired countless 
spin-offs and ideas so his legend will live on more than as i said more than him i mean the the, the town apparently when he died they were, were like okay yeah because he didn't really he wasn't always in the news he wasn't he haunted them and like haunted the kind of the town a bit but mm-hmm. um i think they went on to kind of move on from it um and when he died he's like okay yeah it's dead that's that's the end of that then yeah and I mean, if the house was still standing, I would imagine it would still be a tourist hotspot to this day. Yeah. All in all, uh, two um, two murders confirmed. You know, it, that count could still, you know, it's all that conjecture. It could mm. be massively higher. Um, ten corpses mutilated from dug up graves. Um, and, you know, he's presumed to have also had potentially killed his own brother as well. Yeah. So that is the case of Ed Gain, Butcher of Plainfield. And yeah, you can, I completely understand why he's inspired so many um, horror films because it is abs- yeah. truly harrowing. It is one that we've wanted to cover for a while. Again, he was one of those ones kind of fighting, vying for a place in season one and season two, but uh, he's found his home in season three. He Let's has. just hope nobody burns it down. Burn a kiss dead gang. No, it's for throwing a cigarette. To end the episode, obviously, we like to end on a slightly lighter note leave, to leave you with a slightly nicer image um, there's a song that's inspired by Ed, Ed Gain by Blind Melon a song called Skinned which is actually quite it's actually quite a, an alright tune yeah an alright tune I'll make a shoehorn out of your shin I'll make a lampshade of durable skin we can do our looky likeies because we like to do our looky likeies yeah this, we're this, kind this of one we're saving I'm, them I'm confident the with this confident you're confident with, with this one yeah okay. do you want to go first um, well, I have got uh, I've got two of them. I've obviously mentioned my likeness to the Waterboys story in some aspects, which I'm sticking with, and I feel pretty happy about that one. Okay. My first lookalike is a young, and this actually is from my dad. Okay. So my dad sent this in. All the best to the boys. Yep. Love the show. Um, Ben's great. He didn't say that. He's yeah. I'm, I'm, out of the show. I'm your favourite, your dad. 100%, Kev. He believes that Ed Gain is a lookalike of a young Wilfred Bramble, a.k.a. Steptoe, out of Steptoe and Son. And when you Google this, it's, it's, it's very good. It's a good shout-out from, from Dad. I, okay, I can't, I'm can't. i going to see it when I edit it. Yeah, lovely. So, I'll do see reactions. Oh, that was spot on! And the other one we had, well, I'm not sure, actually. So we'll see which one I go for. Well, I'm not sure, actually. Uh, and my one is Mr. R. L. Ermy who is the drill sergeant from Full Metal Jacket. And he actually is in one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. He plays a police officer. Oh. Get very Ed Gain vibes from him. Um, so I don't know if, if either of those were good, but let us know in the comments if you think, whose was better, um, Papa Carter or Son Carter there? Let us know in the comments below. Mine is Christ- Christoph Waltz. Oh. That's, particular- that's a bingo. Um, I just think... I think actually more him in real life with shorter hair. He's got the same kind of chin and shaped face. If you enjoyed the episode, please don't forget to give us a like and a comment and, you know, subscribe. Or if you're listening to us on audio, give us a follow on one of those accounts. Uh, Follow our socials. We've got Facebook now as well. We also have a library of episodes over on our Patreon uh, site, which is patreon.com forward slash pod. Any support on Patreon would be massively welcome, and that obviously gets fully reinvested into the, the product itself. We've got some uh, some fun episodes over there, some not-so-fun ones, but uh, in yeah, a good the, way. Yeah, there's plenty of uh, minisodes on there, of smaller cases, and uh, we 
tend to be a bit more out there with those ones because they're smaller and they're not as you know all as encompassing as these. We also have a new store with our merch with a new merch mm-hmm. set. So go check it out if you're interested in any merch. Uh, other than that, thanks for thanks for listening, thanks for support, and until next time. As we always say, we say it loads. Actually, loads. Just now, keep doing what you do. What you do, doing as long as it's not digging up corpses and, and trying to make a woman's suit, uh, <laughs> nipple belt. Bye. See ya. You've been listening to I Could Murder a Podcast, written and presented by Tom Norris and Ben Carter. Additional voiceover by Tom Turner and Corey Johnson. Additional research by Danielle St. Romain. Produced and mixed by Dan Lambert of Boston Sound. Artwork and animation by Phil Witten. Theme song by Alfie Indra. If you've enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Just search at Pod. For additional exclusive content, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash couldmurderapod and make sure to tell all of your friends. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Toyota Thon is on, so stop in and get a great deal on a rugged new Tacoma or Tundra, ready to tackle the toughest weather. Find out more at buyatoyota.com. Hurry, Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places. I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.